This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. And I'm Lawson Walters, and sitting beside me is Jasmine Bell, and we are continuing on with our show. We have come to our Encounter with God section, our 20 Million Movement, where we jump in and study the Bible. But before we do, I want to start with a uh, another clue for the quiz. Another clue for the quiz. So, Lawson's guessed it, but if you know, you can let us know. The next clue is... My father is Obed, the son of Ruth and Boaz. Oh, there you go. So if you know who that is, the son of Obed, who's the son of Ruth and Boaz. Which, yeah, if Boaz you know the, the lineage name. of this person. <laughs> well, then you'll know the answer and you can give us a call. 1-800-324-843 and you'll get a prize completely for free. And that prize will be the One Minute Pocket, Pocket Bible. Bible. Before we get into our... Um, into our Bible study today into into our encounter with God. I just wanted to read a super encouraging text that came through during the interview. Um, it basically says this: says, "Hey peeps, my name's James. Yo, Lawson, you're doing a great job this morning. Uh, this morning with Jasmine. Um, I need easier clues as I'm not as cluey as you. Good, uh, luckily for you, James, our clues get easier and easier as we go through the quiz. So yeah, if you want to pick it up, um, you can call us." Um, but then he writes, but more importantly, I love waking up to you all. Uh, best station on the waves. Legit. Really true. Also, I li- I'd like to go into the jaw for the, the Alpine holiday. So you'll oh, definitely yes. be in that, James. Um, but then he wrote this. This is really interesting. He says, hey, your station converted me from Catholic to nearly almost one of you guys. Um, Many, many thanks to you, Mon, Lyle, and the others. Yes, I'm going to um, the Advent Church, uh, the Adventist Church in in Geelong soon, Um, but it's hard um, because it's difficult to to go to a new church alone. God bless, James. Well, James, thank you so much for writing into us. We're super, super, super thankful um, for your support. But also, we want to do something about that. We want to get you connected with people in Geelong that you can go to church to. So you don't have to go there. I know that can be a bit of an intimidating experience going to somewhere um, that's new. Um, But, James, we want to hook you up. So, yeah, we're going to get in touch with you. We're going to get you in touch with people from Geelong. um, And then you'll be able to have an amazing experience at at the Geelong church. Because, of course, we want everyone to have an amazing experience at church. Church is incredible. Mm -hmm. Church is one of the biggest blessings that God has given us. Um, and we're so thankful that you're listening to the show, James. And of course, if if any of you guys out there, if you have any amazing feedback, of course, uh, you know, although the show is ending, there is still hope in the future. <laughs> and and that, you know, is is dependent on a number of factors. But one of those factors is uh, there, of course, our reception. You know, whether people are enjoying the show, whether people are being mm. blessed by the show. So if you guys could just send us some messages on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Yeah, just some messages of appreciation, different feedback for the show. Um, there is a chance that in the future we could uh, continue on with the the, the Faith of Her Morning Show banner and, um, yeah, maybe in a different form, maybe in a different way, but I, I'm sure that there is a future for radio, there is a future for what we're doing here, and, um, yeah, God is just going to really bless. Again, that's 0491-064-669. Hooray. But now we're getting into our... 
Bible study for this morning. And of course, we are in our 20 million movement, which for this quarter is Ezra and Nehemiah. Talks about these two amazing, amazing prophets that came around roughly the same uh, similar period in time, basically around the restoration of Israel. It was Ezra who receives the command from Artaxerxes to go and, you know, to officially allow the rebuilding of the temple to happen. Uh, We've talked a little bit about him already, but today we're going to talk more about Nehemiah as we did yesterday and we read nehemiah chapter one and we did a little bit of an overview of nehemiah chapter one and essentially the the flow of nehemiah chapter chapter one is this nehemiah he um he he's like hanging out in in shashan in 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 persia at the time uh he's the cupbearer for king artaxerxes um and then his brother comes and tells him about how basically the the, the city and the temple hasn't been restored yet. The wall hasn't been built. Um, it's in ruins, and it's bringing shame and disgrace and trouble amongst the nation of Israel. And essentially from there, it just completely bums. Like, it just completely bums Nehemiah out. And he is just crying and weeping and fasting and praying, and he's mourning for the state of Jerusalem. He's mourning for the state of the city, of his people, of his ancestors, and he prays a prayer. Brett, could you read for us, Jasmine, from verse 5, basically all the way to the end of the chapter? Of chapter... Chapter 1. Nehemiah, we're reading Nehemiah chapter 1. Could you read from verse 5 to the end of the chapter? Starting in verse 5, it says, And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those... Who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. So we see here this this prayer, and we we dived a little bit in depth on this prayer, and we see something really interesting happening. Basically, Nehemiah just backed God into a corner. He's just Holy. like, look, God, like, you need to help us because you claim to be merciful. And even though we're terrible, like, you promised through your servant Moses that, you know, if, if we were unfaithful, you would scatter us abroad. But if we were faithful, then we would res- you would restore us. And he makes this point about how he's been praying and he's been fasting. And he's like, look, God, you can't not be faithful and heed my words now. Mm. Which is, uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, this happens a number of times in the Bible, particularly my favorite is in the book of Daniel, where Daniel's just straight up like, 
God, if you don't fulfill your promise and rebuild the city of Jerusalem so that, uh, well, you know, Daniel being a, a major factor, you know, a major figure at the start of, you know, Babylon and Medo-Persia's reign, um, he's like, look, God, if you don't rebuild the city and rebuild the temple, the Messiah won't come and you'll look really bad because you <laughs> didn't keep your promises to us. Um, we see Nehemiah here saying a similar thing, but from a different perspective, you know, and much in a, in a much shorter space of time, he's just like, hey, look, God, like, just you just got to do your thing like you have to be faithful to us you have to because you mm. promised and of course that just leads us to the point where it's like you know god as much as he is the awesome king of the universe he's like he's our friend um and he wants to help us but he's also made promises that he has to deliver upon you know like god is someone who we can wrestle with mm. we see you know specifically the example of uh jacob where he's like literally wrestling with the the angel of the Lord, with the, with the man of God, and um, you know the, this kinds of things. Like God is there as as a friend. You know we have friends who we have arguments with, we have uh, chats with. We you know we get heated about things over not because uh, not because we're angry at them, but because you know things need to happen a certain way. And it's kind of like that with God here, being our friend. And he's just like, and like he's like, oh God, you got to do this for me and. And, of course, God being the God of the universe who is faithful and so loving, like, mm. he does, right? Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. But now continuing on, uh, it closes here in verse 11. And it says, For I am the king's cup bearer. It makes this uh, point here, which we talked a little bit about yesterday, um, about the influence that Jewish people had in these particular empires. We think of uh, Daniel, for example, being, you know, Daniel, he was uh, the prime minister of Babylon. He then outlasted Babylonian reign into Medo-Persian reign and then was made the prime minister again. Um, we look at Queen Esther, for example, who was, who was married to a Persian. Like, um, just amazing to see the way that Jewish people had such influence in the greatest empires in the mm. world at that time. And Nehemiah himself was known as the cup bearer now that is something that we would look at and kind of consider like oh it's, it's, what, what do, you, do you just hold the king's cup like <laughs> what's so what's so you know that's not not necessarily a skilled position nor is it you know it, incredibly difficult but we're going to find that this is actually one of the most important roles in all of the kingdom you're listening to faith fm positively different radio the, the reason the cupbearer was such an important position and, and so, you know, held in such high esteem, um, you know, as the name kind of doesn't imply, it's just like the, <laughs> yeah. the cupbearer, um, is because, the, you know, the cupbearer is someone who has close and constant access to the king, mm. um, which is something that can only be given to someone who you really, really trust. You know, we're talking, when, when, when you get to kind of empire status, when you've got a number of nations who are ruling with you at the same time and you're a leader of a different groups of people who could have different ideas than you, mm. um, like even as a king, you'd be fearing for your life. But as a ruler of an empire, like you had to be just looking over your back constantly. constantly. Like you had no choice whatsoever but just to be paranoid as you could possibly be and so that's why you know you had the position of cupbearer existed as someone who would you know um not only would they would they hold the cup they would take care of the cup they would make sure that no poison was in the cup they would make sure mm. that no poison liquid was in the cup by actually you know tasting um drink before it was given to you uh, 
it was interesting. There's a number of athlete, athletes who actually do that today. A number of famous what? athletes who, who have cup bearers. Um, the one that comes to mind for me, um, the might. Most people might know, but Danny Pedrosa, who who was a famous um, MotoGP racer, he had a cupbearer. <laughs> that is awesome. Particularly when he was in like the overseas rounds, like when you would go to, because um, you know it's mostly hosted out of Europe. When you, when they would go to Malaysia and Thailand and stuff, um, he would have a cupbearer who would drink his drinks before him oh, to man. make sure that they were all good because he didn't want to get sick and or be poisoned or something, which, which is just uh, super interesting. I actually had the experience. Uh, I saw him in Australia um, and I was eating, I was eating like lunch and he was down the table and he has a cup bearer with him. And, you try and put something in the cup oh, to, nah. to see what would happen. Nah, 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 nah. Oh. Oh, it would be interesting though, because like I doubt that anything's ever really happened to him, yeah. but it'd just be hilarious to see something, you know, something. But then, <laughs> but then someone would get hurt. So I no, you would, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but um, so yeah. Nehemiah, he's literally he's responsible for the king's life. Yeah, he holds it, his per, life in yeah, his hands. Yeah, that's the perfect summary. Like he is responsible for the king's life. In fact, he he would be you know one of the kings like as the cupbearer. He's like one of the chief guards of the king. You know, um, which would give him incredible influence um, in the kingdom, would give him incredible power as being, you know, so close to the king, so closely related to the king, um, which sort of leads into the next event that unfolds. Uh, do you want to read uh, chapter 2 and verse 1 for us, Jasmine? It says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Mm. So, uh, King Artaxerxes here, in the month of Nisan, uh, which is quite, this is actually N-I-S-A-N, which I, I think would be pronounced Nisan, but, yeah. but Nisan, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, but in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, um, in the month of Nisan, basically um, people have estimated there's been a four-month gap between that prayer that he, uh, that Nehemiah prayed, because it gives us a month for that, and you know um, between that month and then the month of Nisan that then comes, um, there's there's been a, around a, a four month gap, and in this time we could imagine like Nehemiah's prayed this prayer, he's deeply distressed for his people, and it says that even in the pros- the presence of the king at this time he's sad. Well. So we can imagine that for those four months he has just been continually praying and fasting for the state of his city and of his people. We know clearly, um, we're, we're given in a, an example that it, it, well, we, we're told in the Bible that his brother um, came from Jerusalem to give him the news from Jerusalem. So we understand that obviously his family would be in Jerusalem, his people are in mm-hmm. Jerusalem, people who he deeply cares about are in Jerusalem. And it just like really highlights the point, like, you know, if there are people who we care about who are going through difficult times, the best thing we can do to them is 100% reach out to them. Mm. Um, but, man, praying for people and, and in, in, in Nehemiah's particular case, fasting and praying and just being really close to God in that time for mm. the sake of his people. Like we have that right. And I think like we, we have that right, um, but we have that responsibility as Christians, as people who follow God, as people who believe in the power of prayer. Mm. And, you know, I know for myself, you know, praying for my parents, for, for my mum and my dad, for yeah. my sisters, that God would be with them and they would come in a closer relationship with him. I know you'd probably have that experience with your family, yeah, sure like praying for them every single day. And uh, here we just see so clearly, like, 
the the care that uh, that Nehemiah has for his mm. for his people. Yeah, even though that he he's not actually physically in Jerusalem, the Bible tells us to weep with those who are sorrowful and to bear one another's burdens. He's feeling it with them, even mm. though he's not literally there. Mm. He has empathy and compassion as as God does. You know, I think that's a real character of godliness. Mm. The fact that he has such empathy for his people because you know the bible says that god desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth that he desires none to be lost um none to be destroyed but for all to be saved and so you know god would also feel this great deep sense of mourning for those who aren't following him for those who are going through um not only who aren't following him but those who are following him and going through difficult time you know because sin hurts people God would be feeling for those people so much. And we see here um, Nehemiah as a, as a godly man, just deeply sympathizing with his brothers and sisters um, who, are in, who are in Jerusalem and who are struggling. And then that brings us um, to the point where he says that he was, uh, you know, um, he was sad in the, in the presence um, of the king. Could you read verse 2 for us to see what that leads to? Mm, It goes on to say, Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. Then I became dreadfully afraid. Mm. So it's interesting here. He says, you know, um, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? Um, Nothing but a sorrow of heart. He makes a point. He's like, Oh, like, what's wrong with you? Mm. What's wrong with you? You should be okay. Like, why are you so sad? Um, It says here that... uh, that, um, you know, Nehemiah becomes particularly afraid. And that's because the next thing that comes out of Nehemiah's mouth is basically like, oh, basically my city, which you destroyed. <laughs> I'm super sad about it. Um, because as, as we noted yesterday, it was under the hand of King Artaxerxes that, that the kingdom was allowed to be restored. He, mm. he made the decree in 457 BC that, oh, yep, like we're going to, uh, restore the, the kingdom. We're going to restore um, Jerusalem. Uh, we're going to restore the city of God in, in 457 BC. But then, unfortunately, what happens is under the influence of many of the people around him, um, uh, Artaxerxes initially decides not to go through with it and actually lay the city to even more ravage um, because the people around him, it's different advisors. They're enemies of the Jews. They don't like the Jews. And so they're like, oh, hey, if you go and rebuild the city, this will be a hub for the western side of the empire. They can go and ally with Egypt or any of these nations um, in the west, and they'll be able to just wreck you, basically. Mm. And so Nehemiah here, he's like feeling the pressure. He's like, you know, that sick feeling that you get when you have to like tell your parents something like deeply <laughs> personal, like you're like, oh man, I have to tell them about something like it's Nehemiah. That's essentially what he's going through. He's feeling, he becomes deeply afraid because he's like, oh man, I have to kind of confront the king right now. Mm. Um, but let's go, let's look at his response. What does the Bible say in the, in the next verse? Uh, he says that he said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Mm. He's just like, he just goes hard. He's like uh, afraid initially and then he's like, look, king, this is what's up. Yeah, I mean, what other way can you approach that? Yeah, he's just like, look, my city is wrecked and my father's tombs are laid to waste and the gates are burned with fire. Obviously, that would be kind of, again, a gnarly rebuke to Artaxerxes because it's like he was the one 
who did who that. Who did that. Um, but you can see here, I think Nehemiah was considered, you know, he was so trusted by Artaxerxes and he was considered as such a good friend by Artaxerxes and considered as such a morally upright man that Artaxerxes could probably see where he's coming from. Mm. Like, okay, yeah, I, I get where you're at. And then Artaxerxes uh, responds here in verse 4. What does the Bible say? And then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Um, this is really cool. This is like, you know, the king asked him, oh, what do you want? And it says immediately he prays. And yeah. they're having a conversation. So, so I could imagine this is like what, what, what people call like a microwave prayer, like a micro prayer. Like yeah. It's like, oh, God, please help me. Yeah. Like, like those, those moments where it's just like, oh, God, like I need you so much right now. I don't have a moment to go into a season of prayer. Just, just be with me right now. Like I need you to be with the words that I speak. Um, but, of course, we're going to get more into this in our next segment. Right now um, we are coming into a, another song. This is Evie with Give them all to Jesus. Are you tired of chasing pretty rainbows? Are you tired of spinning round and round? Dream 
What a classic. That song was <laughs> that song was dedicated to Michael Heath, who texted us and was like, Oh man, yes, love some Evie. Please play some Evie. So we gave it to you, Michael. You're welcome. That is a banger. That's called Give Them All to Jesus um, mm. by Evie. And that's actually like one of my particular favorite songs i've actually done a few i've done a done a special item in church where i was singing that song um but yeah praise the lord what a good song give them all to jesus as the uh, as the song says lay you know lay lay all your worries and your burdens and your troubles down and give them all to jesus such an, an amazing amazing song we continue on with our bible study but before we do let's let's do another clue for the quiz oh true let's do another clue for the quiz okay this is the second last clue, mm-hmm. and it is... What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? I am. Practical experience, a rewarding career, David. great employment prospects. When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four... We are incredibly sorry. We don't know where that came from. (laughs) (laughs) That was an ad for Avondale College. Maybe that was very timely. Maybe someone needed to have that. If you are thinking about going to Avondale College, please, like, it's a, it's a great school, great facility. If you're interested in either, you know, theology or nursing or, or, um, or teaching, like, found out, the other day, that Avondale offers visual arts, which so, is, I was like, oh, maybe I should go there. <laughs> Avondale offers a lot of different courses. Of course, now it's, it's become a, an official university college. Uh, we produce shells just kind of shaking her head and got her hands in the air. She's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, praise the Lord for Avondale College. Um, but yeah, mm. um, can you re- yeah, re- I'll repeat read that? The yeah, clue. Re- repeat the clue. Um, it is. I am the father of David. This oh, is King okay. David. So if you know who his father is, mm-hmm. you can give us a call on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or give us a text, 0491-064-669. Mm, that is awesome. Okay, let's continue with our Bible study. Mm-hmm. We, we've been journeying through so far. And where do we, where do we finish up? Oh, yeah, In he verse prays. Four. He prays. He prays a micro prayer. Why? Because he's about to, uh, he's about to make a request. The king just says so, like, kind of nonchalantly yeah I, like, I wonder if he's maybe praying because that was not what he expected to happen <laughs> he's like oh i didn't prepare for this god i need you <laughs> that's awesome so yeah he's just like all right here we go this is like it's 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 happening basically it's like the thing i've been praying for and fasting for for four months is this you know the potential fulfillment of that mm. um read verse five for us what does that say it says and i said to the king if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor favor in your sight I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Mm. So basically, he makes this he makes this uh, request. He's like, "Send me to the city of Judah." Not only is this a big request um, to rebuild it uh, on the uh, you know on the fact that uh, you know that, that, that it needs to be rebuilt, and you know it was Artaxerxes who said, "No, you can't rebuild." Like who 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 thwarted the rebuilding of of uh, of the city, and it was probably it's Artaxerxes. Well, who wrote the decree? Who said that he would fund the rebuilding of the mm. city? Um, but we see here that that he makes a request to go and return to the city that was big. Why? Because Nehemiah was the cupbearer. Mm. We talked about this earlier. How Nehemiah was the cupbearer. He was the most you know trusted man in the, all the empire. It's like your most trusted man in all the empire. He's like bouncing. He's like, oh yeah. Mm. So I need to go and rebuild the city. Let me leave, please. Like, that's his great request. And it's like, 
oh man like how do you how do you feel like what how do how do you respond to that as the king anyway because there's there's very you know there's very practical disadvantages of losing someone mm. like nehemiah um the fact that you wouldn't have someone as you know trustworthy as him continue to be the cupbearer and whatnot um but interesting interestingly enough we see um artaxerxes answer in verse six in verse six so the king said to me in brackets, the queen also sitting beside him. How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Mm. Um, so you just basically, like, the king just responds again with, like, oh, yeah, how long will it take? Okay, cool, you can go. Which is amazing. I think one of the most particularly amazing things here is that this is working heavily in conjunction with the prophecy that we see in Daniel chapter nine. Mm. So what happens in Daniel chapter nine is basically, um, well, Daniel chapter eight and Daniel chapter nine, they're kind of two parts of the same, the same prophecy. And it's basically a prophecy about in specifically in Daniel chapter nine, how there's going to be an allowing of Jerusalem of the of of the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple, and it specifically says that that's going to take that rebuilding of the temple is going to take a forty nine year period. Then the rest of there's a four hundred ninety year period that's given. Then the rest of it um, up until the last week is going to you know there's going to be a gap in time until the last week where the Messiah comes along. Mm. Um, but it, it prophesies about this 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 period of time, this 49 years in which they would be allowed to rebuild the temple um, and rebuild Jerusalem and the city after the captivity. And this is something that God has already prophesied. And I can imagine Nehemiah um, as well being someone with such great power and influence, mm. having access to the scriptures. Yeah, he like, would know this. He would prophecy. know this. He would know about what Daniel wrote, especially with Daniel. You know, the book of Daniel being written by Daniel in the time of Daniel, um, who was the eventually the prime minister of, um, of Medo-Persia. Um, you know, Nehemiah being another Jew holding great power in Medo-Persia. Well, we could easily make the assumption that, that, yeah, he would have access to that kind of thing. And he would see, because basically what happens in Daniel 9 is that it's a response to... Daniel 8 is a prophecy that extends all the way to the end time, the 2300-year prophecy. Um, and then Daniel... Uh, so, yeah, Daniel, he's freaking out because he's like, oh, but what about, you know, how can any of this happen without the temple being rebuilt and without, you know, with, without the Messiah coming. Like, there, there couldn't be an end-time destruction. Like, And when are we going to get out of captivity? When are we going to mm. deli- the, deliver your, your Messiah as your people? Um, and then Daniel chapter 9 is given for, as an answer to that, as like, a you know, giving comfort to the fact that, yeah, there will be a rebuilding. Nehemiah, with an understanding of this, it would be kind of coming together for him mm. at this point that, oh, man, that thing that God prophesied would happen, the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the temple for the purpose of the Messiah to come, God is using me for that. Now, the text doesn't really indicate whether that's, you know, that, that realization would have happened. You know, we, we're using, we're using uh, what, what we call our, uh, um, you know, sanctified imagination, something that we could, you know, say probably happened we don't really know necessarily whether that happened that, that might have happened before he started fasting and praying mm-hmm. and he maybe had saw that and been like i'm pr- fasting and praying for the purpose that like i will be able to be sent as god's tool 
to you know Medo Persia, uh, sorry, to Jerusalem to rebuild it as a response to this prophecy, he probably would have been inspired and influenced by Daniel in that way as well, because the Daniel nine prophecy about the rebuilding of Jerusalem comes as a result as Daniel praying and fasting mm. and confessing the sins of the nation. Nehemiah in chapter one, he prays, he fasts. He confesses the sin for the nation, and he also puts God in a corner, as Daniel does, that, hey, you have to help us. Very effective method. Very effective method, which we've seen here, because Artaxerxes is just basically kind of, you know, not really rolled over, but it's just completely agreed and said, yeah, okay, yep, you can, you know, like, I'll let you, the most trusted man in the kingdom, go back to your nation to rebuild it and restore it and rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple. Like, yep, you can do that, Nehemiah, because I think you're a really great guy and I think, you know, your people deserve that. Mm. You'd be shocked. Yeah. You would be shocked. And and I think, you know, in conjunction with the, the realization that, you know, prophecy is literally working on your side. God is literally working on your side. It would, man, what an amazing calling that Nehemiah had. And um, it's just awesome we've also had james from geelong has answered the quiz and yes the answer was jesse um good on you we will be sending you the prize of the one minute pocket bible for business professionals that is awesome right now this is i am they with king of love Goodness faileth never I'm nothing like if I am his And he is mine forever And he is mine forever
darkness faileth never. Good Shepherd, may I sing your praise within your house forever. Within your house forever. Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5, designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. (laughs) Is forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And love has chosen you and 
To Faith FM, we are continuing on with our show this morning. Mm. Um, and before we do, I would say, actually, no, I would say, like, oh, let's have another clue for the quiz. But our clue, um, our quiz was answered by James. Hooray! Um, good for James. Well done, James. And so we'll be getting uh, that book to you. But now we've come to the time of question of the day. Mm-hmm. And what is the question for today? Okay, Jasmine? so Darren's asking the question: Does First Timothy chapter two and verse twelve? prohibit women from teaching, leading, and preaching in the church? And is there biblical justification for this? Is this just a misinterpretation of the text, or was it a cultural issue of the time? Mm. Oh, man, that, that is a super interesting question, because First uh, Timothy chapter 2 is a really interesting chapter. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, I, I would say the first seven verses of First Timothy chapter two is 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 one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Like it is incredible, you know. Um, it is just amazing. It has this banger in it. It's like, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. He desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Mm. For there is one God, and one mediator between the between God and man, um, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And so it's like amazing. Um, but then it sort of switches the conversation here. Um, and it starts talking about, um, it, talk, it starts talking about essentially how to conduct yourself in church. Um, starting in verse nine and uh, sorry, starting in verse eight. And then specifically in verse 11, the Bible says, let a woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. So it makes it makes a point here. Um, it says, "Hey, like, don't let women teach, um, don't let them, you know, preach um, or have authority. Let them learn in silence." Mm-hmm. And and the question was, oh, is this you know to to read this and say that women shouldn't be a part of the church? church is like shouldn't be able to teach in church is that a misinterpretation is this a cultural thing are there any biblical justifications for this or against this um and, it, and it's simply this we have to look at cultural context as, as well as the bible as a whole and we have to you know sort of weigh up what you know what, what's called the weight of evidence we have to see the the evidence um leaning leading in one direction or the other direction and then interpret via that evidence um this comes up, this issue, and probably the the best, you know, biblical example of a woman having authority um, and teaching and preaching and being used by God is classic, you know, Deborah. 
in the book of Judges. Deborah was a judge of Israel, so basically she was the leader of Israel at one point. She was a prophet. She was a teacher. Um, she was used by God. We see Anna the prophetess who proclaims the uh, the coming of John the Baptist. Like, like there are there are many prophets and teachers in the Bible who were women. And so it's like, okay, well, what is the, the justification here for Paul saying that women should be in silence and shouldn't teach? Interestingly enough, because he even gives a kind of theological answer for that. If we read in verse 13, the Bible says, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. 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 Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. He gives a theological, biblical principle as to the conduct of these women in church, how they should learn in submission and silence and and not have authority over men. And so it's like, but then simultaneously we see examples of authority over men. Um, look, there's a cultural explanation to this, uh, specifically being that um, Timothy, he was a pastor in Ephesus, in the church of Ephesus. In Ephesus specifically, they worshipped Diana of the Ephesians, or, mm-hmm. or Artemis, as she was known by a Greek name. Um Artemis of the Ephesians, and a part of their temple worship was that that they, you know, there would be basically priestess of that religion who would, um, because you know, in a number of other places, it talks about you know not shaving your head. There would be priestesses of this religion who would shave their head and, as an act of worship, would have sex with men. Um, so it was kind of like basically temple prostitution was a part of their church service and worship, and so people have concluded, which is terrible. People have concluded because of that, you know, oh maybe, um. You know, he's speaking just to a cultural discrepancy that will happen, that they will be um, identified as being a part of this pagan religion if a woman has any authority in the church. But simultaneously, there are theological provisions given to it. Uh, Basically, this answer, it's really up for grabs. There are cultural and theological implications. And um, I think we just have to be in a place where we have to, yeah, just be searching the scriptures and and find out for ourselves. Uh, This is the Cox family. Where will there be any, will there be any stars?
Welcome back to Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show today and I've had an awesome time. Thank you, Jasmine, for coming and, and filling in for Lyle and Mon. Thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, oh, it's just been really great. We've done an awesome Bible study. Had some amazing texts come through. Again, if you want to share um, texts of gratitude to the show, um, give us an encouragement to, to spur on a further revival of the Faith FM uh, breakfast show give us a text at 0491-064-669 um and and yeah just help us out in that way but of course we've come to the end of our show and we always give something something away what do you have there for to give away jasmine we have the book called who are the seven day adventists oh interesting Mm. interesting what's it about so yeah if you've ever had questions about where did the seven day adventists come from what do seven day adventists believe or what's the church like this is the book for you Awesome. Of course, we had an amazing text from James before about, you know, his experience um, with with Adventism and whatnot and how, you know, um, God is working in his life to to open his heart up to, you know, the present truth of his word. And so if you want to get to know more about that, more about what we believe, yeah, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you'll get this book. Um, completely for free. I'm already seeing more texts are coming in about the show. Thank you so much, guys. Um, keep sending them in. Thank you for tuning in and uh, being with us. Of course, I just have to again promote our Alpine Village giveaway in Jindabyne. Um, oh, yes. Please text us 0491-064-669 um, um, and you will be able to enter the draw to... Um, to win that, as well as our Friday farewell show, which is going to be amazing. We're going to have a number of guests here. Uh, maybe even Jasmine will rock up for, <laughs> for a little hello. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for more great programming. Right after this, you're listening to Faith F.
pray, a guarantee, and a down payment on a mansion. Remember all the rules we made about the body and the blood, the hoops we made them jump through, though he offers it to everyone. Things I know I didn't learn, and bless their hearts. I'm sure it's hard, but handouts don't help anyone. And all the talk about the system, I sure hope someone can fix them. I said those things. Is a letter to the girl I used to be. You'll see, you're gonna take the long way. And there is nothing you could do or say to separate you from the love of God who made you just exactly as He meant to. And you cannot imagine all the places you'll see Jesus, but you'll find Him. once-in-a-lifetime event as two of our country's best Christian singer-songwriters come together in concert. 
October 12th, 6.30 at Maitland SDA Church. Call 0413 122 348 now to book your seat.